hello, and thank you for joining me today for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks, the podcast for women, about women, sharing women's lives and stories, and in the process, uplifting and supporting all women by sharing our stories on a daily basis. Today, joining me is someone from way across the pond, a way far ways away from me here in Seattle. She's over in England, and I've discovered her on Instagram, and I can't remember who I found her through, but I just loved, she made this video that was fantastic that showed her using blocks and looks like books or magazines stuck together and doing her practice on top of all of these, what I call the toys of yoga. And so it was very interesting to see that. She's also in my age group, which I was so happy to see that um, a lot of the people that I follow are younger than I am. So it's nice to find someone who's over 50 and still doing their thing. Her name is Karen. She is still working full-time as well as teaching, but of course, in the age of COVID, everything has changed quite a bit. So we'll have a little conversation about that as well. But I just want to thank Karen for joining me today and welcome. Oh, lovely. Thank you. I'm pleased to join you here from the UK. (laughs) Sunny England today. So we we before we started recording, we were talking about the fact that England is having a bit of a heat wave right now. But the interesting thing that we also talked about is that you're not having to commute every day back and forth to your job. So tell me about how that shift, that transition from going into work every day to where you are now working from home doing more things where you're staying at home and how has that changed the rhythm of your life on a daily basis? I think first of all it was very much a merry-go-round you get on that merry-go-round you because uh, I live probably about an hour outside of London so every morning half past five get up do what I need to do on the train to London every day Monday to Friday getting home probably about seven half seven at night and, and you just get used to that you know you just think this is there's no alternative it didn't cross my mind once to say actually can I work from home you know you just <laughs> you know I just didn't even think to ask the question and the type of job that I do which is working in compliance um obviously now I've discovered I don't need to be in the office so the initial thing was when it was forced upon us to um everybody to stay at home I wasn't daunted because I've worked from home before um but it's amazing how quickly you get out of that um but it just, yeah, it, I just didn't realise that you could do something else. And I didn't realise, actually, that my life was so much about working and then not doing much in the evening, weekends, catching up on chores that you couldn't possibly do during the week. But you get used to it. And even though my friends would say to me, how do you go to London every day? And I'm not saying, oh, but, you know, it gives me time to read on the train. And, you know, you just make up all excuses about it. And I mean, if anybody's been to London, it's buzzing. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful place for to work. I don't want to live there, but it's a nice place to be. <laughs> but you just get used to it. That's literally it. And so since the, I think the last time I went to London was about the 12th of March. And since then, being working from home, just being able to slow down. I mean, that that was the first thing was, and then noticing, looking around my apartment, thinking, good Lord, that needs cleaning, that needs doing, you know, that long <laughs> list, that, that long list of 
cleaning that you think, my God, how did I not see this? Then you realise, well, you're never there. I just come here to sleep. So just being able to transition to slow down has been wonderful. But it's not all, you know, sweetness and light because mentally it it affects you as well. You know, you're not seeing your colleagues. Everything, you've got to be on the the phone more. You've got to be um, video conferencing or email. But it's also nice to pick up the phone. Um, Otherwise, you could potentially not speak to anybody, um, especially the type of job that I do. So it's been very good to just take stock of things that um, I probably wasn't noticing before. Well, yes, I. it's one of those things that's interesting. I live on an island, actually, a 35-minute ferry ride out of Seattle. So over the years, off and on, I've been here for 36 years, I've commuted into the city on a daily basis. And it's it's an hour round trip, right? By the time, it's actually longer than that because you have to get there early to wait for the ferry and then you get on the ferry and then you... So it, it's basically an hour each direction. And essentially, you're gone 12 hours mm. a day. You may only be working eight, but by the time, you know, it takes you to walk to the office or do whatever, once you get off the ferry, it's, you're gone 12 hours. And like you said, you come home and it's like, after that, it's, it, it's, I want to rest. I want to eat. And then it's like time to, you got to get kind of ready for your day for the next day. And you go to bed and you just get up and you do it all over again. Yeah. And then on the weekends, like you said, you're catching up on chores, you're running your errands, you're making sure you have groceries, you're, you know, and there's a few things that you get to fit in in there, but it's like, where do you ever have that time to really rest? And that has been the theme for me. And people keep telling me, cause I'm like the energizer bunny. It's like, Oh, I can do that. Or, I could do that and let's keep doing this. And and then I started dealing with some health issues that forced me to have to slow down. And I, but still trying, because, you know, it's like, you got, you got to keep all the balls in the air, right? You got yeah. to keep the bills paid. You got to take care, you know, all of these things. And everyone keeps saying, resting, resting and take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, <laughs> and I, I just last week spoke with someone who does tarot readings and she's in Canada. And she was like, Sherry, she said, here's what I have to tell you about what I feel, you know, from the cards and everything is that you need to focus on like when the man on the air, when the pilot on the airplane says, put your mask on first and then help whoever else. She's like, yeah. you're the kind of person that's like dragging your mask down to put on the guy that's pushing the drink cart and you need to be focusing on putting the mask on first. And I was like, oh, okay, but true. And so, like you said, it gives you that time to really assess what's going on, what's important. And you're actually allowing your body to rest and I don't know about you, did but did you notice that you got you were like really really tired at first, and then things kind of, you started to feel a little bit better? Yeah, I mean the first few days I self isolated because I'd just been on a course uh, with Jules Mitchell. Um, she was the last time she was here in the UK, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel well. So the, before they even decided to lock everybody down and stay at home. I decided to self-isolate because I, I live on my own and you just want to make sure you've got to look after yourself. Um, so, yeah, the first probably 10 days I slept a lot, uh, lost my voice completely. Uh, so that oh was interesting. Goodness. Yeah, interesting going on calls, trying to... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to um, in the end people saying don't speak don't speak um, and I thought I'm sure they say that to me anyway but yeah this time 
I, 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 I'm in touch with that emotion. I understand that. <laughs> but yeah, very much um, just felt quite cut off, first of all, and very tired. And, and so it didn't really hit me initially for the first 10 days. Um, but then I noticed that uh, when I don't really watch a lot of TV, because that was not something I put on because obviously was never here. Right. Um, so it was a case of, OK, what, what do I do? You know, that, that whole trying to take yourself out of overdrive, but not wanting to just completely be numb and watch television. Right. So it, it was really difficult at first to kind of try and regulate myself into relax. It's OK, you know, and then obviously doing what everybody else was doing was saying, OK, I want to continue with the couple of classes that I was doing a week how right. do I do that oh my goodness everybody's doing everybody's jumping onto uh, the internet online so it was a case of just sitting back having a look what people were doing and then just planning it because obviously it wasn't my only income so right. that there wasn't that rush to, to do it um so and I understand with people it is their only income so it, you know lots of things changed so it's quite nice in that way to just sit back a little bit and um, see what other people were doing and then saying okay Karen don't think you're going to be the professional you know light a director all of that kind of thing <laughs> you know just just take it take your expectations down a few notches and you know the, the students at the end of the day they're just grateful to carry on and do yoga or yes. do some movement with people that they know yes um, rather than me thinking I had to do a full whole you know full-blown marketing yeah. yeah you know Oscar ready here I am kind of thing so <laughs> well it's it's interesting that you say that because um as the business manager for a local health club here I was the one who was able to get all of our personal trainers up on zoom and I got our group fitness classes in a very small format up on zoom as well and I have been teaching three days a week ever since, um, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. And what I noticed is, is that in the beginning when everyone, it was sort of like everybody kind of went into shock. It was like, mm. you know, and um, that there were so many people. I mean, there were times when I had like 30 plus people logged in to, to take a Zoom. Granted, we didn't have, we went from offering 54 classes a week in person into the club wow. to like, I don't know, maybe six classes a week wow. over, you know, the internet. But I just felt like so many people, especially needed yoga, needed mm. that um, sense of routine needed that sense of feeling some kind of a connection, even though we weren't all in the same location. And it, you're right. It's like I'm here in my living room in front of my plants. I had to move a chair out of the way so that I had enough room to be able to move around. <laughs> and, you know, through all of this with you know, the chair moved out of the way. It's like, I don't know that I really need to move that chair back. I kind of like having all that room there in, in the living room to, to do this. And the interesting thing is, is that we use um, mind-body software for mm -hmm. running the club, right? And a lot of yoga studios use that as well, but yeah. we use it on a much bigger bigger platform. And I was talking with the one of the reps from them. They've developed this video option that you can do your live streams and host recordings and do all of that. They they beta tested it um, 
until the end of July. And so he was talking with me about it going, you know, he says, you, you need to make it look professional. He says, I'd be telling your instructors to come back into the club to do recordings, or I tell people to go outside and do it in front of the beach or the rocks. And I'm like, here's where I think you're wrong. I said, and here's what I know, because I said, we offered 54 classes a week. I said, I've been teaching for 18 years and this is what I know. Those people don't care if I'm in my living room or in front of a garbage dumpster or on the beach. Here's what matters. They want to be able to see me and hear me. Yes. If they can't see me clearly or hear me clearly, then it's never going to work. I don't care what your backdrop looks like. <laughs> you you could have, you know, he's like, well, they don't want to see your janky coffee table or your TV. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? They don't care. I can tell you I'm in my living room every day teaching. And not only that, I said, the wonderful thing is, is that I get to see them in the spaces where they live. So I get to see their homes. I get to see mm -hmm. sometimes other people in their homes. Sometimes I see their pets. And I said, and it's taken it to a level of I've gotten to know so much more about my students that way than I ever would if we were taking class in a classroom somewhere. Right. Oh. And like, we're all in this together. This is we're we're even though we're not in the same location, we're still connected. And so it's just interesting that someone, you know, it needs to be this and the lighting, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, I have a ring light. I like it. I have other lights because I've done recordings and things in the past. And I have somewhere where I can go where it's a much more blank background. Yeah. But I, it it doesn't have the warmness or the connection of this is my home and I am taking the time in my day to teach you from my home in your home. Yeah. And and I think it, it, oh, sorry. No, no, no. It, go right ahead. It's, it's so nice because it no travel time, which we sort of talked about with work. You know, you can I can get up and I'm a T-shirt and knickers kind of girl. So <laughs> I, I don't have to. I'm sorry. I don't have to get dressed, you know. Right. I, or I'll put my pajamas bottoms on or, you know, and and mm -hmm. kind of, yeah, be braless and be free and, and just think. This is wonderful. The travel time is literally from one room to the next. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it, yeah, you just have to be a little bit more almost productive. But you think, I don't have to get up at half past five. No. I can get up if I'm taking an early morning class. or with, And that was another thing that I found is that you have that flexibility now for people that you admire on Instagram or you've seen elsewhere that you can't you you know especially there might be in America or different parts of the UK you've had that opportunity to take classes with people as well yes. and again you notice it you know people aren't looking for the Oscar winning production and they just want to as you say I want to hear you I want to see you and just find that safe haven on my mat and know that you don't care whether I brush my teeth this morning you know it doesn't matter you there's you know there's no smell coming through the, the, the screen so <laughs> So it, it's all good, you know, and sometimes I might say, oh, well, I'm really not going to put on any clothes as such. So I'm turning off the video and I'm going to practice in my T-shirt and knickers. Well, you know, what's interesting to me is as an instructor, because I am used to teaching, you know, I've been teaching for so long that I really, I teach on the fly. I, I have an 
a standard opening that I always do and a standard closing, but everything in the middle is based on the energy in the room, the people that have walked through the door and, and I walk and teach, right? And there are times when if I'm teaching something new, I'm demoing, you know, bits and pieces, but I don't demo a whole class. Now, when it comes to doing something like this, where you're online and I've got people who haven't taken from me either before or very regularly. So they, they haven't learned my cueing style and all of that yet that I need to make sure that I'm demoing a whole lot more than I was before. But the funny thing is, is that like you said, is that one, there's no commute time. And, you know, I live a five minute walk from the club. If that's, if I, and I've been going in there while the club has been closed, I could go in and do my work and, and come back home just to get out of my freaking apartment. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, even though we're now open unlimited basis, we're not doing any in-person classes because the room is too small. The ventilation isn't good enough. And so we will stick with online classes for the duration. The interesting thing is, is that, you know, you're able to roll out of bed, you're able to wear what you feel comfortable. And for those that maybe didn't come to a yoga class before, because they were worried about other people seeing them or worried about not looking like everyone else. And even though when I teach, I make sure is this is your practice. I'm here to guide you. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. You have to, I want you to listen to your body and do what feels right. But the funny thing is, is that some of them, instead of me being able to, because there are like, I teach and talk and I stand up and then I come and look, you know, because I put my iPad up here behind me um, on a high shelf so that people can see me. And so I come up and I look at the little postage size stamp piece, you know, windows of people as they're, they're doing the yoga class. And sometimes I see someone's ceiling or their ceiling fan or their furniture. And it's like, I know there's a person in there somewhere. because every <laughs> once in a while I'll see a foot or a hand or whatever. And it's like, you know what, if that's what makes you feel comfortable, like you said, you know, I'm just going to do this in my t-shirt and knickers and turn off my video or whatever it is. And it's like, this means you can show up to the space that you feel comfortable with. And I'm trusting that you're getting everything that you're needing out of the this class. And if you're not, please let me know, you know, send me an email and I stick around after class and, and have a chat with everyone. And you know, how are you guys doing? Here's some updates on the club that you might not know about or whatever it is, answer questions. And it kind of keeps us connected in a way that makes it a little bit different than, than it could be, I guess. Definitely. And I wasn't one for adjustment. So I tended not to adjust people. So I don't miss that because I never did it, you know, and I just think people need to have that agency to show up as they are do their thing you know and when I first started teaching which wasn't that long ago I passed in March 2019 but I always for me I always knew that it was about being empowered you know and not to take that away from anybody who comes up to trust who hopefully trust me enough but you make mistakes and I remember initially first one showing somebody oh I think this is the way you should do this particular pose and I spotted it immediately that I'd taken something away from her and I decided from then on that I would never do that again to anybody and also it doesn't matter about the the shape you know you don't get so fixated on what somebody should look like that's their body their practice you know I'm not doing anything that they're going 100 miles an hour so I'm not doing anything actually that would ever really harm anybody you know and I love props I love support that is my go-to I will (laughs) even when I practice I'm practicing with support 
because I just yeah. think, you know, when anybody says to me, oh, oh, but I can't touch my toes. I can't touch my toes. And I said, well, sit down. And they sit down. I said, right, just lift your knee. And they lift their knee. And I said, and just, oh, look, you just, no, that's not what I meant. I said, no, 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 perspective. You mm. told me you can't touch your toes. I've just proved you wrong. So, you know, you can do yoga or you can move. Let's just, let's move. Because that was another thing that I was shocked at with, you know, out there on the world. Come on, everybody. Come on, friends. Let's do some yoga. And they joined me. And, and the most shocking thing was people don't move that much. Mm. Not really. You know, they might walk, they might ride a bike, sit down. But that was also something that I thought, well, just throw this lovely plan, a complex plan I've made up, because actually people just need to be able to move and mm. to be able to take the movement off the mat and do something with it, whether it be able to pick something off a top shelf or being able to turn, you know, because actually we don't do that, do that very much. So that's what's how your, I changed. What's your age demographic? do you think in your in your students my age demographic I think on a Sunday I teach beginners on a Sunday and I would say they are probably closer to my age um, mm-hmm. on Sundays and during the week um, I probably yeah I'd probably say late 30s 40s um, people who want to you know do the standing on the head balancing on one finger you know getting the the toes to touch their head back of their head they're not coming to me because I don't teach that um you know because I think when in life are you going to actually be like hey don't do that because look I can touch my head with my toe so (laughs) (laughs) and and this is this is exactly I mean when you're I kind of got that from just watching your videos and things on Instagram but it's so interesting I kind of figured that's what you were going to say, because the interesting thing to me is that when I started teaching 18 years ago, it was more of a Iyengar based, right? And mm-hmm. and Iyengar used a lot of props, which I love, love, love the toys of yoga. I think it's so important. If you can't touch the floor, bend your knees, use a block. One block doesn't yeah. work, let's use two. Two doesn't work, then let's use three or let's find a bigger block. <laughs> you know, so those are the kinds of things for me, it's like you just, um, it doesn't have to look any specific way and I mean it was very regimented though this is where your foot should be this is where your knee should be and the longer that I've I mean I have close to probably 15,000 hours of teaching in all shapes of bodies all ages and you know people who do all sorts of things in life and every single body is different not everybody can get into every pose and I'm more concerned with ease in your practice than I am with you looking a certain way, right? Yeah. And once I sort of started learning more, because I'm one of those people, it's like, okay, I'm done with this training. I'm teaching. I'm, you know, doing all of these things. And I'm curious. And Instagram had has opened up at this huge world for me. I mean, when I started Instagram, I don't know, eight years ago or nine years ago or whatever it was, you know, it was just pictures of things that I saw when I was going on my beach walks, right? And then all of a sudden I started doing all of these yoga challenges and I met all these wonderful people and it wasn't about things looking perfect. And mm. I learned how to use apps to edit and how to find a, a photo app for my phone that would take, you know, multiple pictures at a time and yeah. all of these things that were really fun to learn but now it's gotten to be so curated and it has to be perfect and it has to look like, and it's just like I don't look like that I'm, I'm messy I, I don't no, know <laughs> and I don't look like that look like that yeah I don't look like that and then you know people have said to me just be yourself you, you know just be yourself if and 
I shot a video today and I just started the camera, did it five minutes. Then I said, well, that's good enough for me. I'm not, that. this is who I am. Yes, I could see that role of a lovable abundant, but it's my role. I, I can't take that out. And, and somebody commented and said, oh, it's so inventive what you're doing. And, you know, it's just so different. But to me, it's normal. So I don't. It's organic. I, it's organic. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I struggle with thinking that I'm doing anything different because this is just what I would do. It's not specifically created. I'm, you know, spending hours and hours trying to come up with something completely different. But, you know, I haven't got the Lululemons or, you know, it's just the, the normal everyday joggers and a normal T-shirt. And, you know, I'm showing up exactly as, as I am. You know, this is this. So well, if and, you that, want, yeah. and that and that comes through. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But that oh, comes no, no, through no. so much in your Instagram. And that was what drew me to you, right? So it's the thing that I've heard for years, whether it's teaching in person, and of course, now we have this whole other arena is that you be who you are, you speak how you speak, Mm -hmm. and that energy that you put out will draw in the people who are meant to be there to hear it. Like you, I don't teach fast vinyasa, vinyasa, ashtanga, I don't do hot yoga, I, you know, I don't need to do on a sup paddleboard or in a swimming it's like can't we just do yoga on the floor do we need to do do we need to like do all of these things in order I mean because yoga to me is sometimes I could be out sitting on the beach and just sitting there and enjoying the water and the sunshine and and to me that's yoga yeah and the thing of instead of calling myself an instructor or a teacher is that I'm a guide I'm here to guide you but this or practice and what I really want you to do is to have a conversation with your body that's about curiosity and not about oh god I need to change this and did you see that and oh I got this role that's hanging over my freaking yoga pants and I'm like standing there going yeah me too I'm gotta pull them up because when I bent over that extra stuff kind of rolled down the front of my yoga pants (laughs) (laughs) and I'm very much I'm just exactly the same I just think and um, the ladies I teach on Sundays when we end we I sort of go around and say how are you and they used to sort of say oh thank you so much for class and I said no 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 it's not a uh you know Thank you, Karen. I'm not interested in that. I want to know how you feel. How right. what what can be improved in the class? What didn't you like? What did you like? And this is a safe the safe zone. I said because right. I'm not. This is not my practice. It's yours. So I need to take on board what you're telling me. And if we need to tweak something, I said my ego is not going to be. You know, or I'm asking for feedback. So you can tell me whatever you whatever you need to to say. And it was from there listening to them and actually hearing them. What they wanted what they wanted to do and how they you can notice it over the week but how they saying you know what um I just feel so much differently I feel like I can move more I feel like I've got a better my balance is better um I could that's a huge win huge Mm. win as an as a as an instructor or a teacher when someone says that to you it's like you know I'm doing then I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing here yeah yeah and 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 sometimes they'll say oh sorry Sherry sometimes they'll say oh I I felt a little bit of a twinge when we were doing a, a particular movement and I remembered what you said so I backed off or I just thought no 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 I'm not going to try that and I said brilliant you're listening to your body you're getting reconnected so that's fantastic if you pulled back and just started listening rather than pushing yourself through so this is the sort of thing I want to hear and this is what I encourage you to do 
is that you're listening and you're just understanding and really and they said oh we're discovering muscles you know we never knew we had (laughs) but we're not really moving very much so what is it that you're doing you know but it's just letting people discover themselves which is what I really love well and I think that you are probably tapping into what I do is, is that a lot of people are not very, they're disconnected from their bodies. Yeah. And whether it be because they spend their days commuting or they're busy or they've got some sort of injury or they have repetitive motion. I mean, everybody has repetitive motions because that's mm-hmm. just what happens with the central nervous system and the muscular system. And so they don't realize that they've been moving in the same little box of motions and that all of a sudden we're broadening that and they can think, Oh, yeah. And that's when yoga starts to move or movement starts to move off of the mat and into their daily life. And I'm less about a very rigid and traditional yoga practice. And I'm more about range of motion, functional movements like you were talking about. Can I reach up to the top shelf? Can I change a light bulb? Can I rotate or do something without feeling like I'm straining my hips or my waist or whatever it is? And thinking about as we get older, Mm. you know, the spine isn't as malleable as it was when we were younger, right? We shrink during the day and when we sleep at night, we we extend back out. But as you get older, that gets less. And I believe that's because people, when they start to get older and things don't move as well, or they have little pains or whatever it is, that they stop moving. Yeah. Or we are in a society where people spend hours sitting at a desk in front of a computer or doing things that are the same motion over and over and over when we're not actually doing things that expand our capacity to move. And so some of my yoga doesn't look much like yoga anymore. And every once in a while I'll get someone who say, can't we go back to doing like the flows like you used to do? And, <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, I, I'm, this is important to me that you learn how to unstick your shoulder girdle on the backside, that yeah. you understand what your posterior chain is and why it's important to think about your back besides when it just hurts. Yeah. So, you know, and it's just, it's this very, and the older I get, and I also teach students who are 65 and older. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had several classes where the majority of my students were a good 10 to 15 years older than I was. And I would ask them, you know, why are you here? How come you showed up to yoga today? I had one older gentleman who worked in a like a machining machine factory for years and he said, I can't pick my knee, my leg up high enough to get in my pickup truck anymore. Wow. And I said, and, and he is not a guy that probably would have traditionally come to yoga. And he was one of my most dedicated students. He ended up having double hip replacement. He was back in yoga class within two weeks of his surgeries. I worked in tandem with his physical therapist. And I mean, this was incredible incredible to watch happen. And so I look at that and people would say to me, the reason I'm here is because I can't move the way I used to. My balance is bad. I'm worried about falling. Mm. I'm worried about being able to live independently for as long as I possibly can. That's it. And I, I, and I'm not the type of person that buys into, oh, it's, I'm getting older. Oh, I can't do this because I'm old. And my friends or people that I come across, they now know not to say that to me because I just don't take that as an excuse that because we've hit a certain age that, you know, that I should be now getting, dyeing my hair purple, having the purple rinse, as we call it over here, and getting 3,000 cat, you know, and, uh, you know, it's all over. (laughs) 
it's all over. So I just don't buy into that at all. I just you you've got to move. It doesn't have to be you know worthy it of have to be big. No, it just has to be. And and the other thing that I've noticed too is that um, even for me, who's been moving my entire life is that I was starting to have some issues with getting up off the floor because I started to move in the same plane. I went from my bed to the to standing to the toilet to standing to the mm-hmm. couch or the chair to stand and not spending any time rolling around on the floor. And we've lost the sense of security of being on the floor. So then I started working with rolling around on the floor and mm-hmm. how do I get up off of the floor? And so for a lot of older people, there's that fear of if I fall, I can't get up. Or if I get down there, I won't be able to get back up. Well, let's work on some of those skills and build up some of that muscular memory for you to be able to do that. And so I think too, that sometimes doctors, I have a a woman that I work with, she has rheumatoid arthritis and it's really bad, but we do everything. We work with chairs, we use a bar Mm. at the wall and we keep moving. And she said, they told me not to bend over anymore. And this woman loved garden. And I said, you know, I hate it when doctors do that. I said, they probably don't know you very well other than just what they see in your chart or what they see when you walk through the door. But to tell someone that one, you're taking away their quality of life and things that they get joy out of. And two, when you tell them to stop moving, then they lose the ability to be able to move. And why do you want to do that to someone? No. And I and I think when people come to yoga and just as I say, I'm not your vinyasa flow um, because I want you to be able to hold a position I want you to can you move your pelvis no well then move your feet how do you feel could you hold this position for a couple more minutes if not step out change it you know it's not about at old because Karen's doing that that's that's what I've got to do and, and one of the ladies we were stood on on Sunday stood on blocks and she said at the end when we were going round, I think my legs are too short. I said, oh, do you? Why is that? Why are your legs too short? She said, well, I don't think I could do. We were doing Warrior 2. She said, I don't think, you know, the way you were doing it. I said, well, one, you know, don't look at what my legs are doing. But also, did it occur to you to uh, maybe shorten your stump? I said, but if not, have an operation next week. Get your legs extended. <laughs> Come back next week and we'll see how it goes. You know, <laughs> it was just, and immediately people go to, well, there's something wrong with my body. Yeah. So that's why I can't do it. And and that's what I'm trying to change that narrative is there is nothing wrong with your body. We just have to create something that allows you to do it or move in a way that suits you. So that's, that's why I love props, man. Yes. <sighs> Use a chair, use the wall, use strap, use, and if you're at home and you don't have some of this stuff, take the belt off your robe, grab a stack of pillows off your couch, fold up a bunch of blankets, take some books and open them up and use them at an angle. need you know for for your heels when you're doing a squat and you can't keep your heels on the floor you don't have to have a a yoga wedge you can you know use something else yeah and I think that people think it needs to look a certain way and if it doesn't look a certain way I can't do it because I don't look like everybody else and I think that that's what's and that's what I notice is too and 
and being in and out of health clubs in my entire life, and actually for the last six years working in a health club facility, is noticing that there are a lot of people who walk through that door in fear. Mm. They're afraid that they're going to do it wrong. They're not going to look right, that somebody's going to say something that is going to embarrass them. Yeah. They're, they've never done yoga before. And my thing is, is you know what? We all had to stop at zero, start at zero, because yeah. nobody knew how to do yoga, right? Yeah. I mean, this is it's a learning experience. And my thing is, is that every day you step on your mat, you learn something new about your body if you're paying attention. Yes. Yeah. And a couple of times I've uh, when I practice, um, so I created space in my spare room. So that's my office and also my little yoga studio. So at least when I shut the door on that, the rest of the space, it's not invaded as such. Right. So I still have a little bit of separation. But it's just nice to be able to, I don't know, just be... Yeah, move away, move, do something, enjoy it, know that it doesn't have to look a certain way and that prop or support or whatever you want to call them are not for old people and not right. for if that, that one thing that you hear that irks me so much. If you need one, use a prop, but you're already in the pose. And actually, yeah. you haven't shown me how to use it. So yeah. what what do you mean by going to grab a prop if you need it? You haven't shown me. And it was interesting that somebody, a student, said, was the one that said to me, oh, we hear that a lot, but nobody's actually told us how to use it. So when you're told to grab a prop if you need to, as soon as you hear that if you need to means you shouldn't really have a prop, but oh, go on, if you need it. But me as the person at the front, I'm not using it and everybody else around is not using it. So that's why I made it really important to one that when I was practicing, even in a a, a community class, that I had my props with me. And yep. even if it was a very... I use them. Yeah, use them. Even in a really fast flow, if I decided, well, I'll go along to this fast flow I'm thinking it's my practice and I'm using the the blocks and I'm using a strap and anything else that I've brought you know got my wagon and brought in with me um <laughs> and and people would say oh my gosh you oh how do you do that and I said, because it's my practice today yeah. so I'm going to use this and I also want to set an example to show that you can do something that people deem to be very difficult with still using the the props and still yeah. There, are, there is no gold medal for me touching the floor. You know, when there's no See, gold medal. That's the thing is, is that it doesn't touching the floor is is not an accomplishment. No. That has nothing to do with anything. And the thing is that I have students who come so regularly to my classes that when they walk through the door, it's like, what props do we need to do to use today? And it's like, you know, and I always say a blanket because I use the blanket. We, I, when we teach in, when I teach in person, it's a hardwood floor. We're going to use our blanket and we're going to slide. We're going to use it with our legs, with our feet, with our hands. You know, we're going to use it for all kinds of things and always have blocks. Always. We may not use them. You know, I may not say specifically, okay, we're going to use our blocks, but it's there for you to use. And here's yeah. how you use it if you need to use it kind of thing. And I talk to them too, as I'm teaching them new things, like things <laughs> that I'm learning new too. And I'm like, I was practicing this at home and I fell over and landed on my bed or, <laughs> you know, all, and it's like, or I can't keep my heels on the floor while I do this, but that would be the ultimate for those of you that have that foot and ankle flexibility. I salute you if you can keep your heels on the floor because I can't get there, yeah. but you know, whatever works. So it's that honesty of, yeah. I am not this perfect yoga instructor sitting on a lotus blossom. <laughs> it, you know. 
it and that's not me at all. I'm but, not, and, no, no, <laughs> you know, no, it's that, just like I want people to come and I want them to feel better when they walk out of the door than when they walked in the door. Yes. And, that's and I realize that not everybody, not, see, and not everybody's going to resonate with me and that's okay. After this long, if somebody doesn't like my class, that's great. There's going to be an instructor out there that you're going to find that you're going to love, but this is my class. This is how I teach. You can show up and participate or not. It's up to you. I mean, uh, it's. And that's absolutely how I feel about it as well. And um, it's just finding for me, obviously um, being black and in the in the space in the yoga space as well I mean I grew up my dad was in the army the British army so you know the color was green that was the first color uh, everything <laughs> came after that so it was green and then everything else then you were white and then you were black but actually you're green first and it what was an interesting thing for you to say I've never heard anybody say that before but yeah you know what you're that's so true yeah wow. yeah that was the color it was green was the uniform um and that was the first thing. Even as everybody... a child, even as a child, you felt that, even though you weren't the one that was actually. Yes. Yes. So, so interesting. Because you were classed as. Um, so even when we went to school, um, if sometimes we had to board, um, board at school, because if they needed the bus for an exercise or something was happening, then you couldn't go to school because it was the army was first and then the wives, children, everything would would come after that so back in the obviously 70s there wasn't many uh black people in the army or black men especially definitely not at that time uh, a lot of women so for me to go grow up and we moved around every two years so spent most of my life in Germany however I got used to being the only black person in the school and and just moving around so you kind of for me grew up in not feeling afraid to go into a space and know that I was the only black person in that space. So obviously we're coming into the, the wellness industry and, and going to do yoga and uh, and stuff like that. It didn't bother me because, you know, we, the way we were brought up is like, you just go for what you want, just go for it. And actually I had no choice. We were moving around every couple of years. Right. So you had to put yourself out there to make friends and, you know, acclimatized to a new, new place and just, you know, just upheaval of your life and just packed up, move somewhere else. So for me, it was never an issue because that was my way of life from a very young age up until I was probably about 18, 19. So to then start to do yoga and, and find that this isn't how a lot of other black people or people of color feel when they walk into a space that was something that was a shock to me if I'm honest because I'd never experienced that I could just go into a space not saying I'm different from anybody else but probably the way I was brought up it was just completely different and I never felt out of place until you did until I did and then started to notice like yeah I am the only black person you know might come to this course or um interested in yoga why why is that why why don't you know black people want to do it and my mum always calls it oh you're doing that yoga again you know that <laughs> that yoga and I'd say well oh I've got a little bit of a nigga oh is that yoga that yoga you want to stop that yoga because it's that yoga and I'd say, I'm like it's not it's it, honestly it's not it's helping mm, don't know don't think it is 
and oh, you're not as young as you used to be. (laughs) Oh yeah. My mother is famous for saying that because I was roller skating and I thought I wanted to get into roller derby. This was back (laughs) when I was in my mid to late forties. And I thought I'm going to just, I I, I loved roller skating as a kid. And I thought, I just want to try out for the local roller derby. Right. So I, I went and I met some of my yoga students at the roller rink and they had just redone the rink. So it was, you know, pretty slippery. And I was using rented skates and the one skate, the wheels never felt like they rolled really well. But I, I you know, I thought I, I can do this. No big deal. And <laughs> I came around a corner and I hit a slick, extra slick spot on the floor and the wheel just I don't know what it did, but literally it was like in slow motion, my right leg went out in front of me and I did the splits and tore my hamstring. Right. I mean, just, I mean, it was so bad. I had to crawl off the floor. Okay. And just to get the skates off and I wore cowboy boots to the roller rink and I just to try and get my cowboy (laughs) boot back on was hysterical. And my students were like, we're so sorry. Now you're not going to be able to teach us yoga. And I'm like, I'll be there if I had to lay on the floor. But, you know, and so I told my mom because she asked me about something because I went in at that point in time, I was teaching in a location that was run by, it was a physical and therapy and occupational Mm -hmm. therapy location. And I was hired specifically because she knew that I could work with her clients to transition from occupational and physical therapy into yoga so they didn't end up back in worse position. So I called her and I said, I've torn my hamstring. And she's like, come in and I'll tape you. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, there's this KT tape. We'll do it. I'll put a strip of tape on there and you'll feel better. I'm like, a strip of tape? What the hell is that? And so I went in and she taped it up. And I'm telling you, within five minutes, I was like, holy God, this is the most best thing ever. And so, but when I told my mom, she's like, you know, you're not 18 anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, thanks for reminding me. Okay. I've been unsuccessful trying to uh, get her to do some, but yeah, that's not happening. That's not happening at all. Yeah, I've worked with my mom and she's got vertigo really bad due to allergies and the getting up and down off the floor and Mm. laying down and sitting up. She just, it just wasn't, and it would be so good for her, but she just can't. She tells herself she can't do it, so she can't do it, right? That's that's the thing. I think that's the thing. Once you tell yourself something and you tell yourself something over and over again long enough, then it just becomes part of your reality and you just won't be able to do it. You know, you just won't be able to do it. So tell me some more about, so you, you, you came out of the, out of the school system and then did you go to college after that? And then... Uh no, because I decided at my tender age of, uh, I think, 17, 18, that I knew everything I needed to know about life. Because obviously, at that tender age, you do. Um, so I came back to the UK, because uh, my parents were still in um, Germany at the time. So I came back to the UK and started working. And it was a bit of a shock, because I'd never lived here before, as such, uh, for a long period of time in the UK. Um, okay. You kind of, the only thing you ever saw about England was on the news so I was kind of quite scared when I came to live live here thinking I'm not going to survive I'm going to be murdered on you know in my sleep or something like that so yeah just ended up so I'm coming back on my own um obviously fell out with my parents a little bit because of the further education where they felt it was necessary for me to do so and I decided that even if they 
paid the money or helped me that it wasn't going to be of any use because I was not going to continue with education because I knew everything so I was going to start to work so yeah so literally from 18 to to now so been working do you have any siblings no I'm the I am the the child yeah I am the only one and I don't have any children either so yeah no children I had a hysterectomy in 2011 so that's kind of where I think I was the only person that didn't realize how ill I was up until that point Mm. um and then it was you are you are ill you haven't really been living much of a life and uh, it was more sort of after that once I started getting better that I kind of discovered out of curiosity more than anything else to attend a yoga class to see what what was all, what's all this about um and loved it and then kind of moved away from it and then started again about six years ago and just felt like I'd come home to it was mm. when I got on the mat I felt because in my early no my late 20s and 30s I decided I didn't really like who I was very much I really need to start taking more responsibility and accountability for my actions in life any self-help therapy anything like that I was like yeah that, I'm there I'm in the queue I'm there I've got all the books everything I'm gonna hit this hard uh, I'm, I'm gonna really strip myself down it was almost like peeling um, an onion blindfolded with a tweezer that's what, that's how I was going to tackle my my life going forward in a way I'm glad because by the time I came to the mat I kind of ironed out you know there wasn't anything that I I hoped that I was putting on to anybody else in a in a class I kind of ironed everything out and just realized that this is I had so much peace so much joy and finally was able to put some boundaries in place for myself and other people which I'd always Mm. had struggled with um but yeah I, I thought I was good at boundary placement but not until I discovered uh, sort of more discipline on the mat and it was actually creating boundaries for myself that then allowed me to be able to incorporate it and make sure that I created boundaries for, for other people and then realizing how important to be able to to practice yoga to just show up for who I, I am and discover that it was okay not to be perfect, which is not always, you know, I do struggle with that sometimes. But Well, yeah. you know, I am the oldest and the only daughter. So, and I have two younger, two younger brothers and same sort of idea. It's like, I need to be perfect. Mm. Right. And there were certain female attributes that our parents' generation, I mean, how, what, how old are your parents? So my dad's 75. And my mum, I'm sort of saying 51, that's how old I am. (laughs) She's 71. Okay. Yeah. So my my parents are 10 years older than yours. Mm. You know, so there was very, very rigid, very, um, you know, specific things of you're a girl, you're going to look like a girl, you're going to act like, you know, just and societal things and Mm. things in advertising and marketing and all of that kind of stuff that, you know, were sort of fed. And I was just like, always, I kind of, this doesn't really fit very well. I don't feel very comfortable with all of this, but I thought if I'm just perfect, then I'll make everyone happy. Yeah. And you know, perfection is bullshit. Besides that, it's boring. (laughs) 
it's boring. It's 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 the stuff where the shit all falls apart. Where it's like, you know, that was kind of interesting to learn about, and forces you to learn some other things about yourself, about yes. the world around you. And it's interesting. I want to go back to you made a comment about when you came back to the UK and you'd been gone for some time, and all you'd really seen was things on TV. And you talked about, you know, I'm going to move back and I'm going to get murdered and I'm going to get this and that. But you never, you didn't say anything about any kind of thing about being a black woman and moving to the U, you moving back to the UK. Now, do you, did you find that how you were treated in Germany was different than how you were treated when you came back to the UK? No, it wasn't. Um, I think we tended more to stick together um, as an army unit. So the right. green, the green first thing. So, and then when I say the green, you're green. So, and, and even even now when I speak to some of my um, army friends, I have to say we do sort of say we're we're tougher than these these people that you know they don't understand because it was at the time when we uh, the IRA was rife and you had right. to check under your car for a bomb. You know, we would joke about things like that. That's kind of not normal, but that's the sort yeah. of things that we would do. So to come over to the UK and then think, oh, gosh, you know, these non-army people, they, they you know, this is a bit strange how to live in a, in a life in the UK and have a bit more freedom in a way. I struggled with that. But also I just, I mean, Germany was so clean. And obviously at the time it was West Germany and East Germany. So there was right. still that separation. Um, and that they just seemed, the way they lived over there just seemed so different to here. But I Those can't... Germans, man. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, that was normal. That was just, you know, it, you just get things done and they're just boom, boom, That's boom, right. boom, boom. And for me, that was how, you know, when we did, you started to mix with the Germans and their way of life and you thought, well, that was normal. So to then to come over here and it not be uh, the same, that was a struggle. But I'm trying to obviously remember that long ago, but it, it never colour or my colour was never a, a thing. You know, I, I got a job straight away. My parents didn't want me to live in London, even though I wanted to live there. And they said, as much as you think you know everything, uh, Miss Queen of the World, you don't. <laughs> so you cannot go. We've got You've got to go out in the suburbs. We can't put you into London. But it's interesting. That's when I started to grow up and think, right, I need to be more appreciative of, you know, I do actually require some education, you know, continued education. So, so once I'd got into job, it was then doing sort of doing some stuff in export training. and training. Right. And, and from there, then thinking, actually, I'm probably not as dumb as I, I thought, even though I'm the queen of the world. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't find that the moving across, it was more moving across as a teenager to a, a world that I didn't know. Than, right. than putting the, the word black woman moving to a world I didn't know. I, I mean, yeah. I just thought, you know, it's, I'm coming over to this new country. It's just, it's quite scary. But well, and it's, and the, but the interesting thing about Europe that a lot of people in the United States don't understand if they haven't traveled much is that, you know, in the United States, you can travel across the country and you go through states. And yes, there are differences. There are regional differences. There are, you know, accents and language and things and how things are done, especially in the South. Some people talk about you need a passport to go into the <laughs> southern part of the United States. But, you know, but as a whole, we kind of 
there's things are kind of done sort of similarly in most areas. But the the thing that I found when I was in Europe is that, you know, you can drive five hours and be in a different country with a whole different culture, a different language, a whole thing. And so my background is, is that my mother's side of the family is all British. My dad's side is his father's side of the family was German. And my my grandmother, my dad's mother was Danish. And so I always, you know, I had this dichotomy, but I really always so resonated with the the Danes and that mm. whole that Viking thing. But <laughs> the German stuff was kind of there. It's, it's, it's so weird though. I can remember being a kid and, and we spent a lot of time with my dad's mom because my dad's father died when I was a year old. So she was alone and we spent a lot of time and her family was there. So there, I mean, there was a lot of time spent with the Danes. So we we went to um to Nebraska and a couple other places on this big trip to go back to Minneapolis and stopped to visit the German side of the family and I think I was maybe 5 or 6 <laughs> We went to this family reunion and we walked in this hall and I looked around and there were all of these short, fat people. I looked at my mom and I said, we can't be related to these people. They're all short and fat. And she was like, Sherry, stop it. But the thing that I noticed when I spent some time in Germany is that somewhere in my gene pool, that Germanness of you figure out how to get things done, you get things done, you don't mess around. What I loved about Germany was we we flew in, we got in, they didn't have gate space. They put us out on the tarmac. They brought a wheeled um, stairway up. They brought a bus. They took us off. They got our luggage. I mean, and boom, boom, boom. If I'd been in the States doing that, we'd have been sitting there hours waiting for a freaking mm. gate space. Right. And it went through the airport and it was all, you know, and the toilets all flushed the same and the sinks all worked correctly. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, you know, and I drove Mercedes for years and it's like those freaking engines that they build will drive. You could put sand in that freaking thing and it would drive. Yeah. Their electronics suck, but the the, but the mechanical piece is fantastic. <laughs> but, but I think that's where I I got it from. Is this? Yeah, you you know you come over as I say. Same with looking at how do I do this video? How do I do that? How do I make right. post something on Instagram? You know, I sit there and you just say, okay, I will not be defined by me being fifty one. I'm going to look on YouTube. I'm going to understand. I worked for uh, a company, uh, Vodafone. So I worked for them for a few years. I don't know how I got that the job. sounds familiar. Yeah, they do um, telecommunication. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, but back in 1994, <laughs> um, I'd never heard of them. And that's when they had analog phones. So I went along right. and, you know, they, they said, oh, what do you know about us? And I said, oh, do you do insurance? And they said, uh, <laughs> I mean, they must have been so desperate. And I said, they went, no, we do mobile phones. I went, oh my God, I've never heard of that. Tell me all about it. And they did. And then they gave me a job. But I think from there, that's where I learned with the technology, the quick change, the stuff, how it changes yeah. very quickly, how you can adapt and learn. And that helped put the things How old there. were you when, when you went into working for the mobile phone industry? Um. Oh gosh, I'm not very, my math. So it was 1994. Okay, so you were so in my in 20, your 20, late 20s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I ended up in 1982 working for a software firm where we wrote, produced, and packaged the, our own software. Now, this is back in the day when you worked on those mainframes and the disks were, you know, huge the, and these huge. <laughs> 
computer rooms, right, to house all this stuff. Well, I happened to be there right as MS-DOS came out and they started mm-hmm. right. And we were using these giant floppies, but we were using a smaller computer kind of thing. And I have been in the tech industry off and on ever since. And so I, you saying that, it's like I grew up in a way that most people didn't because I was exposed to technology at such an early age back yeah. in the days when it was still kind of cutting edge, right? Yeah. And so for me, it's like, ooh, I, what's, the, what's that next new thing coming down? I, I like that. <laughs> Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, I, I'll figure out how to do that, yeah. you know, yeah. and then some, and a lot of times I'd go to work for someplace and I didn't know how to build computers or do anything. I started working for this consulting firm as their bookkeeper. And he's like, do you want to learn how to put computers together? And I'm like, well, sure. So I learned how to build computers from parts. I learned how to install software. I learned how to pull wire. I mean, all of this stuff because I had an affinity for it. And I was like, sure, I'll learn how to do that. You know, and I'd show up wearing a tool belt and pushing a car. <laughs> you know, and, and the guys in the office, at the office I would go to are like, do you need us to help you with that? Because this was back when monitors weighed 50 pounds, right? Yeah, and gosh. I'd be like, no, no, I just need to know where to go. You tell me where to go. And, you know, and I'd be in there moving the boxes, <laughs> you know, and I was six foot tall anyway. So I'm no shy shrinking violet anyway, <laughs> in the first place. But just to look at the looks on their faces was like, you know, they weren't quite sure what to do with themselves. And it's like, just point me in the right direction. Let me do my job. Okay. I don't need your help. But it's, I think it's that what you were talking about is you, you learned in that industry, especially cell phone technology. I mean, it changes all the time. Yeah. And that's just a part of it. And so that's what you learn. And like you said, I don't know how to do this. Well, I'll just go out to YouTube or I'll go and do this or I'll go and do that. And it's like now with TikTok and all of the young kids were on TikTok and then the older people showed up and they're like, aren't you old to be on TikTok? And I'm like, excuse me. Let's talk about the fact that I had to go from using a rotary dial phone to that you will never know about. Or a pay phone, right? Where you had to actually put money in the phone to using my iPhone and I use it very well. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a a bit of an advantage because I'm in some yoga groups where people just haven't been exposed or have have no need to be exposed to technology. So for them now to go to move their business online, it's actually quite stressful, I think, for people to do it. Well, even even the the students, right? There's, I mean, there's a lot of students that I have is the last technology they learned was email and they're not very good at email. (laughs) Now all of a sudden they have to navigate how to use Zoom. And, you know, and I click a link and, and, you know, and I mean, there were times when I was on the phone with people talking them through how to log into the website to be able to do some of this stuff. And it's like, whew you know, there's a reason I got out of tech support. This is really exhausting. Yeah. But it's just, it's interesting. And there are those who are really afraid of it. Mm. My mother is 81 and she has worked off and on in technology and in various ways. It's just a part of her job more than anything. But the thing that she always talked about was that the people in tech support always treated her like she was a child. Oh. You know, and the interesting thing is, is because I spent so much time around tech people. And we used to joke that the programmers were these slug-like creatures that we kept underground and they lived, you know, in in the area where there was um, fluorescent lights and that's when they wear their headphones and sit and rock in front of their computers. 
because they they truly were most of them introverts. They mm. ended up in technology because it was something that they could do that they were good at that they didn't have to interact with other people. Yeah. And so you get those people and then you kind of put them in a position where they're supposed to train other people and they don't understand when someone no. doesn't think in the same sort of capacity that they do. Yeah. And so they treat you like you're an idiot. And it's like, I'm sorry, you're never going to be successful that way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I had some people was like, you know, how you have affinity for this. Why don't you learn how to program? And I said, my idea of a good time is not to sit in the front of a computer all day drinking, you know, energy drinks to stay awake <laughs> until five o'clock in the morning while I'm staring at a computer screen all day. That's not, I'm a people person. Yeah. I'd rather be people, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just so interesting, like you said, <laughs> to work, especially, you know, some of these instructors. I had to teach some of these instructors that I work with of how to get onto the technology and make it work and what to do if you have a problem and you know and people were like you, you created a podcast did you know how to do that no nope. <laughs> did you take a course no nope. well how did you learn listen to some podcasts yeah took some notes tried did a lot of trial and error and it took me much longer than I anticipated but I'm here today and I do it all you know I do the editing I do all of the social media and but I enjoy it there are some people like yeah, I don't I don't need to do that no, and that's the, that's the key. Um, if you're doing something, you've got to enjoy it. You know, you've got to enjoy it. And you, know, you as you talk about it, hopefully people will hear your passion, hear how much you love doing, whether it's yoga, whether it's watching airplanes take off, which doesn't happen much now at COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> But so yeah, weird. yeah, you, you've got to enjoy what you're doing and hopefully bring joy to other people as well and get them to, you know, discover for themselves and enjoy it. And that's to me, that's what it, it's all about is just enjoying my life as much as I possibly can, learning from my mistakes. With passion, right? Yeah. With passion. Yeah, and passion doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes and you no. don't fall down and you don't, you know, sometimes it's expensive to learn some of those mistakes. <laughs> But that's a part of and your passion is what keeps you driving forward. And it's your passion who's like, you know, I'm not really so interested in this anymore, but that over there looks good. Let's pivot over here yeah. and do this instead. But I think that, that sometimes people are, they don't think they're creative or they don't necessarily feel passionate about something either because somebody somewhere, and it could have been back in there when they were a kid or whatever, you know, made them feel bad or made them feel self-conscious. And so mm. they lost touch with that part of themselves that made them feel passionate or creative. I was listening to a podcast and a woman, she's a psychologist and she was saying in our DNA is we are, we have to be creative. Mm. That's in our DNA. And she said, and creativity can be anything. It can be from learning how to build something. It can be solving a math problem. It can be, it's not just one thing. It's not art. It's not, you know, dance. It's it, creativity is how we've made it to the point where we are today. Yeah. And so it doesn't look the same for everyone. And so it's, it's interesting to listen to people talk about that. And a lot of people think that creativity has to be some sort of art or something like that, but creativity right. can be able to get out of your own way to figure out how to teach a yoga class online. Yeah. 
Yeah. And also sometimes knowing when to take a rest, because um, that's something I've definitely learned from from March uh, till now is is take away the guilt. I choose not to do anything. You know, if, and I, I read something that always makes me laugh. It's like when I said I'm not doing anything or doing nothing, I really mean I'm doing nothing. So <laughs> I'm, it's an art in itself to to say, no, oh, no, I'm not free. I'm doing nothing. So just, I'm laying yeah, on the just, couch. Thank you yeah, for asking. Yeah, and I'm not going to put out any pants today either yeah yeah so that's been something to learn as well to say no today I'm done I'm really done stick a fork in me I'm done I want to rest and not feel guilty about it and and just turn everything off and you know and and being able to uh, that was another thing my friends got me to do which I didn't think I could but they asked me to do some meditations and I said I don't I've never done that I'm a fraud I'm a fraud I haven't and they said listen we think you can do it could you just set it up do that once a week which I started doing in April uh, and which people is, love it don't they yeah yeah they absolutely love it you know and you think to yourself I'm glad that they gave me that kick up the butt because I would never have done it and then decided well I'm going to do a little bit of training on that and that's what I've discovered with yoga is just I just want to learn so much and the more I learn the less I know but I'm still going to do it. And that's exactly it. After 27 years of practice and 18 years of teaching, my thing is, is that every day I get to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited about that. And the fact that I've learned how to do somatic movements and Mm. how incredible they are to retrain your central nervous system back into a really good connection with your muscular system and how that can change your body. And a lot of somatic movements is laying on the floor, breathing and doing little tiny movements, but it's unbelievable what it does for your body. Unbelievable. I mean, I have, it's changed my body in ways I never anticipated. And so it's stuff like that, where I come away going, I didn't know this before. And now that I do, this is fantastic. Yeah. My goal is I want to keep teaching yoga until I'm in my (laughs) nineties. You know, and, and and I want to live alone and be as autonomous and independent and doing Mm. as many things as I possibly can because it's important to me. Yeah. And, and to be able to, you know, I'm looking at my parents and my dad has diabetes and some movement issues and all of that. And, and he's 80, he's going to be 84. And so I I get that, but I try to go and help them and, and and there's a lot of resistance and it's like, you know, people pay me money. (laughs) I should pay me money to do this because I'm quite good actually <laughs> and like your mom saying it's the yoga you've got to stop doing the yoga stop kind doing of that yoga and it's, it's and I, outside of yeah, there outside and I tried to get my dad to do it because my mum's in lives in Jamaica and my dad's over here um still in the UK but he I mean he is still he's 75 and the man's still got a six pack he's still got that army <laughs> mentality you know we'll still do chin-ups <laughs> yeah he's still doing chin-ups you know, he's trying to teach me how to do chin-ups. And I said, what do you do? He's like, pull. I'm like, okay, how? He's like, don't you do that yoga? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but we don't pull very much in yoga. So I obviously need to No, there training. isn't. That, that's the one thing I'm working on changing yeah. is because there's not a lot of pulling. There's pushing, no. but no pulling. No. So we, we, we tried to, I think I did successfully one chin-up to his 20 or something. And I was, yeah. you know, saying, and that was last year. 
thinking, oh, my God, I need to change. Well, and I always look at that, too, because I see in the club and everything, and I'm, you know, relatively strong. But the reality is, is that a men's upper body strength is always going to be stronger than a woman's, right? Definitely. Definitely. That's just, you know, genetic, the hormonal soup that happens with all of that. But... So is your mom, is she from Jamaica originally? Or? Yeah, both my parents are. So I, um, my mum came over to the UK, I think she was about 14. And my dad was probably the same age. So they met over here in the UK. They didn't meet in Jamaica. Um, and yeah, she had me when she was 18. And he was like 24, something like that. So And then it wasn't much after that he joined joined the army so then then we were shipped off everything was green forget I don't care what color you think you are you just better be prepared to be green you know yeah don't we don't care about your color you're green that's that's everything is green you know that's the first thing yeah green comes first whatever color you you know decide your skin is that is second that's second nature so and we laugh about it, even my um, army friends now, because we always talk about the civilian, you know, the people that were <laughs> the civilians, you know, the people that weren't, didn't grow up, you know, all these civilian people. And, and we still don't lose it from now. We, you know, we'll get together and we talk about, you know, the people that didn't have an, uh, an army upbringing. So, yeah, so we're still exactly the same. So, and, I, and that's why I'm just honoured and happy to get to do what, what I enjoy whether it's financially with work, working full time, allowing me to do the training and different things that I want to do in in the yoga world, being able to meet other people and and just, you know, saying to myself, I I understand the privileges I have. You know, I I get that. And we talk a lot about privilege and I I have a lot. So that's why I want to go out there and, and be on social media and say, listen, a black person is also doing this. And, you know, just to show you that you, you can move and you can do things. Yeah. Can't talk about your, how you live in your life because I, I can't change that or the things that you experience. I just want to say, look, I'm out here doing, doing the thing and it's, it's, great and I enjoy it and get to meet people like yourself so you know (laughs) happy days (laughs) well that was you know the whole thing now did you did you glue a bunch of magazines together oh no those are blocks that are just different colors because it because it looks like like a stack of magazines because it's colored yeah no they're all different colors but they're all blocks so I just oh my gosh (laughs) I've never seen anything like that before I was like she got really crafty and glued all those magazines (laughs) i've got patience but i don't know if it it goes that far so no yeah they're all different um different color blocks because i just couldn't be bothered to buy one color so yeah and and that that video you saw i would just as i was going for a walk i just thought oh what would it be like to cross a river that's what i'm going to do today i'm going to pretend i'm on uh, i'm on a river just place those blocks about had no plan so there wasn't any practicing or you know sitting there for hours planning it out i just thought just just did it just set that phone up and just said whatever I capture I capture but just have some fun just play be creative don't think is this cam you know is this Instagram worthy just enjoy um and have a laugh and yeah well and I I love that your video I mean the whole thing I was looking at going I want to learn how to make a video I I liked that she did such a great job with that (laughs) it's amazing what you can do from your phone nowadays I know I live out of my phone. That's the frightening thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, Karen, I want to thank you so much for accepting my invitation and for spending some time getting to know me. I just feel like I made this great new friend. And the thing for me was that I was like, oh, this woman's in my age group and she's oh, speaking my language and she's teaching some of the same things to the same kinds of people that I am. And, and I don't always feel like that, you know, mm. because like I said, a lot of the people that I follow are younger than I am and they move yep. differently. And, you know, I'm a 59 year old woman. I don't move the same way I did when nice. I was in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, right? I mean, I'm going to be 60 next year. And I just am like, you know what my thing is, is I want to keep moving with as much freedom of motion as yes. I possibly can. What do I need to do to do that? And as I was speaking with Laurel Bevelsdorf, when we did our conversation for the podcast, she was like, Sherry, she said, you just need to be able to speak to what it is that you're doing and and the people will you know people will hear you they will come and find you yeah and and and, and just by being who you are and she called that my je ne sais quoi right that's, ah that's je ne sais quoi <laughs> Right? And I'm like, oh, I like to be a little bit French. <laughs> but that, that's the thing. I'm, I'm, yeah, end of this month, 52. So it's not about doing anything saying, hey, look at me, I'm 52 and I'm going to do a, a, a balance on my head with no support. You know, I don't need to do that. And the older I've got, the more comfortable I've become in the person yes. that I've finally yes. grown, grown up to be, you know, and, and still growing. So I, I just don't need to do that. And yes, to have role models who are the same age or older than me that I can talk to and, and we can understand what, what it is our bodies are going through and, and yes. just speaking yeah. the same language and yeah. I'm just like she was doing oh I, I like that and, you know, <laughs> that, that makes my cranky hip feel much better when she's doing you know and it's just things like that it's just being able to see because a lot of social media is is a lot of younger people now granted there are you know people our age out there doing all kinds of stuff and and that's fantastic but not all of them are doing what I'm doing so mm. I was just so happy to find you and go hey this <laughs> One who's you know we if we lived in the same place we would be friends definitely so <laughs> <laughs> definitely we would we really would I am so happy that you joined me and that you were willing to share about your life and about your practice and just about everything you know this talking about everything that's been going on with COVID and this pandemic and just what a world changer it is for everybody yeah. regardless of where we live yeah I mean it's affected everyone in the world. Absolutely. So um, thank you again. And I can't wait to just keep chatting with you and, and just talking about all the things that we're doing with movement and uh, the people that we work with and uh, growing as instructors, because I just think that uh, I think we're on the right track. I do. I do indeed. <laughs> thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thanks for being here. <laughs>